who's seen the movie Transformers? Oh, I'll tell you. Oh, I was a little bit skeptical about it because I thought, you know, it looks a bit uh, corny. And uh, because, you know, the older generation, and I'm, me included here, you know, you'd know it as it w- when it was a cartoon. And, uh, you know, it was pretty good back in those days, actually. You know, the way that those things just <laughs> transformed into something amazing. Something ordinary transformed into something amazing. And uh, so anyway, I went along to the movie and, uh, man, I thought that was wicked. I loved it, man. It was, you know, I love action movies, but uh, I don't really like corny action movies. And uh, that was awesome. I liked it so much that uh, I had to make an excuse to go again. So I rang up younger, one of the, a couple of the young boys in kids' church said, Hey, you want to come with me to the movies? Yeah, I'd love to. You want to see Transformers? Yeah. Rock on, man. Awesome. So I got to go and see it again. And it was just as good. So uh, tonight I'm talking about how God wants to transform your life. God wants to transform your life from somebody who is ordinary to somebody who is extraordinary. Amen. Amen. You know, we've been doing the uh, whole thing of undercover. And, uh, you know, I know for some of us, possibly for most of us, in one part or another, we've looked at that and thought, man, this is just painful. Man, this is just, this, this hurts. Church, you guys must be mean because it hurts so much. Man, you cut steep, man. And, uh, but you know, I want to know that a little bit of pain is good for you. A little bit of, uh, Surrender in your life to Jesus so that you can be healed is good for you. Because you see, friends, if we don't surrender our lives, if we don't come before God broken, if we don't come before God and just let it all hang out, then uh, we will stay the same. And God's purpose for every one of you here is not that you stay the same. God's purpose is not that you live with the things that hold you back for the rest of your life. That is, that is the devil's purpose, but it's not, you, it's not God's purpose for you. God's purpose for you is that you would be somebody who would make a difference. That you would be somebody who would go and speak life where there's been death. That you'd be somebody that would go and pray for the sick and see them healed. That you would be somebody that would pray for blind eyes, that they would be open and you start to see the power of God. So if you haven't, who hasn't seen Transformers here? Well, we're going to show you just a two-minute clip just so you can get in the, uh, in the mood of what the movie is. So, you guys ready? Crank up that sound, Carl. Here we go. Oh, how, how good is that? Oh, doesn't it make you want to watch the movie? I want to go and see it again. I tell you, I love it. It's great. Just uh, I, I, if, I mean, whether you like it or not, I just see it just to, you know, just to stir me up on the inside. So, uh, so it was good. So, you know, in the movie, it... it uh, I love the start of the movie. For those of you who haven't seen it, I'll just lay it out a little bit for you. The, uh, they're in the uh, Middle East. And the American base, of course, you know, always the American base are always well heavily armed. And, uh, because they are the might of uh, all war. And uh, so they reckon. And, um, but they couldn't find Bin Laden. So you've got to wonder. But here we are. We're at the, uh, we're at the base. And, and there's this, this, they pick up this unidentified helicopter coming in. And they say, you know, over the radio, they say, you know, please identify yourself. And this thing keeps flying on in there. And, and they, they say again, please identify yourself. And they picked up the code of the helicopter and they said, this can't be right. This was, this was destroyed. What's going on here? So anyway, the thing lands and it just looks like an ordinary helicopter, you know, with all its guns. And so then they're like, pilot. Shut it down and step out of your helicopter or we will destroy you. Oh, I love that. We will destroy you. Whoo, I tell you, it's beautiful. And so 
Of course, the pilot doesn't, uh, doesn't shut it down because the pilot's not even real. Because it's actually a transformer. It's actually one, it's the Decepticons, which for those of you who are a little bit older, the badder ones, okay, they're, they're the bad people who we don't like. And so they're cruising on in, then all of a sudden this thing transforms. Oh, and I tell you, it's packing some serious weaponry. It is carrying some serious guns, and it just nails the whole army base. Nails the tanks, nails the F-16s, doesn't matter how big their handguns are. This thing's got bigger weapons than that. It is just, oh, I was like, whoo, man, this is awesome. And so you see right throughout the movie with, with the whole thing of Transformers is on the outside, they're like an ordinary vehicle, an ordinary car, an ordinary helicopter, an ordinary plane, whatever, you know, form that they take. On the outside, they look like just every other normal vehicle. But on the inside, they are something else. On the inside, they're starting, they're carrying something different. On the inside, they're different. On the inside, they've got weaponry that, that, that is just extraordinary, that is not normal. You know, it sounds a little bit like us. Sounds a little bit like what God has designed for you and me. Sounds a little bit like what God's destiny, God's plan for you guys who are sitting here today. On the outside, you look ordinary. On the outside, you just look like every other teenager with the hip clothes and the cool hairdos that take like an hour. Boys, I'm talking to you. You just look like an ordinary person. But on the inside... On the inside, you're packing something far different than any ordinary person because Jesus lives inside of you. Because Jesus lives inside of you. Come on, church, you should be getting excited about now. I love what, how it started. It says, our world will be transformed. You know what, friends? Our world is already being transformed right before our eyes, whether you believe it, whether you want to face it or not. The world around you is being transformed. And I'll tell you what, it's not for the good. It's not for the better of the world as we know it. You, know, you look at the teen suicide rate has increased over the last 10 years. You look at the teen pregnancy rate has increased over the last, last 10 years. Unemployment, although they reckon it's a little bit better now, but has increased to what it was 10 years ago. Divorce has increased to what it has 10 years ago. You see, we have a serious problem because right before our eyes, our world has been transformed. Right before our eyes, the world around us is starting to take a shape that is not what we as Christians want to see. The world around us is starting to take a form that is contrary to what the Word of God says. Now start to look at your world around you. Because, you know, you might look at that and think, oh, well, it's, you know, that's just, that's the way it goes. You know what? Every revival started with someone, with someone who dared to believe. Every revival, you know, Hillsong Church started by one man who dared to believe that they could be somebody who could make an influence. Benny Hinn, who heals heaps of people, Reinhard Bonnke, who goes and preaches to millions, thousands, you know, in Africa, someone who dared to believe. Pastor Mike Connell, someone who dared to believe. Someone who dared to believe. You know, you can look at the world around you and think, well, what can I do? Okay, let's look a little bit closer to home. What about your family members that don't know God? What about your friends that don't know God? What about your friends that suffer with depression? What about your friends that suffer from thoughts that are like, man, what's the point of living? 
What's the point of living? I might as well just go home and kill myself because nobody would ever care. What about family members who financially are in a mess? What about the neighbors, that people that you live next to? You know, you look at most people, their marriage is a mess, their kids are a mess, their finances are a mess. And so often we think, well, you know, man, I sympathize with you, brother, but there's not much I can do. You know what? Wrong. That's the wrong answer. Because John, 1 John 4, 4 says, greater is he. Greater is he who's in you than he who's in the world. It doesn't say greater is God who's in the person next to you. It doesn't say greater is, greater is God who's in the pastor. Greater who's God who's in the leader. It says greater who God is in you. In you. In every one of you. Every one of you sitting in here. You know what? You are the answer to these problems. You are the answer to the problems that these people would face. Because underneath the ordinary, your ordinary self... Is something different. Is something extraordinary. Is something you're packing weaponry that no other person could dare even come anywhere near. But you see, the problem is we've got to start to believe it. We've got to start to believe it. I want to. John 14, verse 12 says this. I'm just going to go through a heap of scriptures here. We're not in one place tonight, but we're using the whole word of God. Because uh, this book wasn't made by one page it was made by a whole heap which i haven't read yet all of them but i'm working my way through it john fourteen twelve says this most assuredly i say to you he who believes in me do you believe in him tonight he who believes in me oh, the works that i do he will also do and greater works than these he will do because i go with the father doesn't say you're going to do a little bit less than what I did because you can't quite come up to the benchmark that Jesus set. He says, no, these works you will do. These works you will do in greater. These works you will do in greater. What did Jesus do? He prayed for the blind and had the eyes open. He prayed for the dead and saw them raise. Rise, stand up, walk. Woo, I'm walking. Gets the mud, gets it in your eye. A little bit different to what we think, but slaps it in your eye and you're like, the next thing, he opens his eyes. My eyes is covered in mud. I can't, I can see. He's so excited because at first he felt the pain of the mud in his eyes because I'm pretty sure it would sting. But then he gets excited because he can see. Jesus, he delivered people. Jesus went into towns. Man, Jesus, Jesus went into schools if they had them back then. And he preached the word of God. Greater things you will do. Greater things you will do. Greater. For those who believe. For those who believe. For those who believe that you are a child of God. For those who believe that you are destined. That you are purposed. That God has a plan for your life. God didn't plan for you to stay in your seat. God didn't plan for you to go to school and just get an education. No. God didn't plan for you to go to your work. Sit there and do your job and be faithful and do it with excellence, which is an awesome thing. And you need to have those virtues. But God didn't plan that that would be all. God planned that you would go. When the situation arises, when trouble arises, you would transform into something extraordinary. 
You transform into something that's different. Amen? Oh, man. I don't want to be an ordinary person. No way. I don't want to be an ordinary person. You know, friends, that's why it's so important that we do courses like Undercover. That's why it's so important that we come to church. That's why it's so important that we get connected. That's why it's so important that we deal with things in our lives that hold us back. We deal with mindsets. We deal with insecurities. We deal with fear. We deal with, 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 with problems that we've had all our lives. That's why it's so important that we do this. You know, there's three keys that I believe, besides reading your word and praying, which is definitely one of the keys, but I'm not pointing that, I'm not going to use them tonight because we've heard all that before. And let me just encourage you, if you don't have a consistent word life, if you don't have a consistent prayer life, then that is the foundation of being transformed. It's so important. It's so important. You know, TV is not all that important. Wasting time in front of the square thing that talks to you, that only ever talks rubbish, is not that important. But standing in front of God, who speaks life, who speaks revelation, who speaks destiny, who speaks purpose, far more important. And you only get this when you start to read this thing. Let it not collect dust. Amen. The first thing we need to live a life that's transformed, and you might not like this very much, but it's sacrifice. We need to have sac- we need to be people of sacrifice. You know, the thing is about the world today is that in our education systems, we hear about how we need to think about number one to get ahead. About it's all about you, it's all about your life, it's all about positioning yourself. It's all about doing what, what will serve the best for you, that what will benefit you. doesn't matter what, what happens to the person next to you, it's what benefits you. So when we think about the word sacrifice, for most of us we think, God, I don't like that word. I don't like it at all because it means I've got to give up something. And see, this is the problem that most of us face. We don't like giving up things. We don't like giving up things in our lives. Because we enjoy it too much. Because we enjoy the good life too much. Because we enjoy sleep too much. Because we enjoy that square box too much. Because we enjoy spending money on ourselves too much. Now sacrifice. If you start to get a hold of this. If you start to get a hold of having having your life a life that is sacrificed before God. Then things will start to change around you. You know, God has called us. See, God hasn't called us to look after number one. God calls us to lay down our lives so that we can, so that we can be a blessing to others. God calls us to go without something so that we can be a blessing to others. You know, and I know for me, this is something that for a long time I haven't been overly strong in. Because I, you know, I like, I like to have nice stuff and, and my wife will always be on my case about, Steve, you're spending all our money again. You know how most guys, it's the woman that spend the money? Well, it's the other way around with now family. And, uh, but that's all right because, uh, you know, I, yeah, I just, I like good stuff. But, uh, but you know what? That's okay. But the thing is, is that God has really started to challenge me on this whole thing of sacrifice. 
God has challenged me on the whole thing of actually going without so that we can bless somebody else. And you know, when it comes to finances, I've started to realize that if I spend all my finances, if I spend all my money on me, then I haven't anything to give when God says, I want you to bless this person. Because you see, when we're looking not for ourselves, but when we're looking, when we have a life that's a sacrifice before God, if God tells us, I want you to give money here, I want you to buy groceries for this person, you go out for dinner and God says, I want you to buy this person's meal for them. No problem, God. No problem. But I know for me, it's an area that I've had to really work on and praise God. He's, he's done a real breakthrough in my life. To the point where we were given some money not too long ago. And uh, normally I would, I was given some, my wife was given some. And normally, you know, the first thought that came into my head, whoo, what am I going to buy? New clothes or something. And, uh, and I was talking to my wife about it. And I said, you know what? I feel that I actually want to, there's kids in our kids' ministry that don't have Bibles. So I used that money on buying these kids' Bibles. You know, willing to give up. Willing to give up to bless somebody else. Willing to go without because I didn't actually need it. To bless somebody else. And you know what? More satisfaction comes when you do that. More satisfaction comes when you do that, when you start to sacrifice. You know, we think that, like I said, God is actually not about number one. And I'm going to just yell out some scriptures to you guys just to show you this point that oh, I... I haven't found in the Bible where it says, look out for yourself. Make sure you position yourself so that you can be blessed. Make sure you stand up in front of the people who need to know so that you can be blessed. I haven't seen that in the Bible, so I want to show you what I have found. Matthew six thirty three says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Mark nine thirty five: if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all. And a servant of all. Mark 10, 21. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor. Whoever blesses the poor person. And I'm not necessarily talking about in other countries. There are people right here in this church that don't have much. There are people right who sit next to us that are praying, God, where's my next meal coming from? God, who will be my provider? God, I need five bucks. God, I need ten bucks. And how easily we just throw this money this stuff away. Give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Come and take up my cross and follow me. You know, Jesus sacrificed. He took up his cross for you and I. We're called to do the same. Praise God, it doesn't mean that we're going to get nailed to the thing. But you know what? There are some stuff and there's, there's some habit patterns in our life that you need to nail to that cross. There's habit patterns in your life of God. Oh, God, it's all about me. God, what about my ministry? God, what about the call on my life? God, what about the thing that you've, that, that God, I know you've called me to be? You've got to nail it upon the cross because, you know, God is faithful. God is faithful. And if God, the plan that God has for your life, He is faithful to see it to the end. He is faithful to have you walk in that. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to try and position and look out for number one. You just need to look out for those who don't have anything. You just need to seek first the kingdom of God. You just need to seek first the kingdom of God. Galatians 6, 7. Whatever a man sows, he will reap. What have you sown? What do you sow? 
What do you sow? You know, this our country is, and and New Zealand in, in general is not an overly generous, generous culture, really. When we've got money, we want to keep it. When we've got lots of, you know, good food and 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 stuff, we want to keep it. You know, we all know about sowing finances, but I want, I want to just challenge you with this: How willing are you? To go and sow a kind word. How willing are you to go and speak life into somebody? How willing are you, no matter if, even if you see their faults, even if you see the things that people do that you don't like, how willing are you to go and sow a kind word into that person? How willing are you to go and hang out and make somebody feel welcome that is new? How willing are you to go and hang out with someone who's a little bit different and say, hey, man, how you doing? It's great to have you. It's great to see you. Or are we just all about ourselves and hanging out in our own clique, hanging out with our own group of people where we feel comfortable, where we feel loved? Or is it about him? Is it about the kingdom? Is it about sacrifice? Is it about giving up so that someone else can be blessed? Is it about giving up? half an hour of your time of hanging out with your mates so that you can go and bless somebody else who maybe doesn't who maybe right at that point is looking for a kind word what about god when god speaks or you know most of us don't have problems hearing and listening to the voice of god but what about and this is what this whole undercover thing is about what about when god's delegated authority speaks And you know that you're, you know that God has already spoken to you and you're to go this way. Or that your end goal is, is to preach one day. Your end goal is to be full-time ministry one day. Your end goal is to be a missionary one day. And you look at, you look at that end goal and you think, okay, God, I'm not, I know that to get to that goal, I've got to go this way. And there's someone, God's delegated authority, says, hey, you know the way that you're heading right now? Actually, I don't. I don't want you to go that way. I actually believe this is the way that you should go. What is your reaction right then? Sacrifice. 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 Oh, but, 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 but God told me to go this way. That's great. I'm glad that you've heard from God, but God told me that you're going this way. No, 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 but I hear from God too. Well done, I know you do, but God told me that you're to go this way. But, 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 but that way is like, the other direction to get to the thing that I know God's called me to be. How many of us submit? How many of us are willing to sacrifice the thing that you believe, the thing that that God's spoken to you is your end result? You see, so often we get mindsets about how to get there. So often we we get a mindset of how this is the only way. This is the only way that I can get there. But you know what? God is not restricted. God is not restricted God is a God that can get you there anyway. Different to what we think. You know, we had a situation, my wife and I, this is, I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but we, we were in a situation where we felt God told us to go this way. And, and, and I believe that, you know, and, and especially like, like I said, we had the end result was this. And we knew that that was what God had, had destined for us. 
But our leader at the time said, actually, no, I don't want you to go that way. You're to go this way. And, you know, we resisted for a little while. We struggled with that because we didn't know about this undercover stuff. And we struggled with this was ten, about 10 years ago. We struggled with it. And we were like, and, and we resisted for a time. You know what, friends? It didn't get any better. It actually got worse. It actually got more painful. It actually got harder. Until the point came where we came together and we said, well, I think we just need to submit. I think we just need to lay down the thing that we want. Lay down the, the way that we think we should get there. Lay down the, and, and lay down the desire that we have because, like I said, the direction that they were wanting us to go looked, didn't look like anything, anywhere near where God had called us to be. But we chose to lay it down. We chose to surrender. And within a week, one week of us making that decision, the whole thing had turned around and we were now heading the way that we needed to head for what God has told us to do. One week. One week of making that decision. One week of sacrificing what we thought. And you know what? Both of us believe we're where we are today because of that one decision. I can honestly, without a doubt, tell you we're here because of that one decision. We're here because we chose to submit to come under cover of authority. You know, there are times where you don't want to sacrifice because it's painful. You don't want to sacrifice because it's hard. But I tell you, it's the only way to go. Sacrifice. The second thing is transforming your mind. We need to start to transform our thought life. We need to start to transform the way we think. 1 Corinthians, sorry, that was my next one. Romans 12, 2 says this. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. God is a good God, and so many of us struggle to believe it. So many of us struggle to believe that God is a good God for our life. Because you know what? If we believed it, we would sacrifice. We would lay it all down. We need to, when, when it comes to our thought life, it affects everything we do. You know, nothing happens without you already thinking about it first. You know, you think about sin and habit patterns in your life that you know is not honoring to God. Don't, don't sit there and blame the devil. Don't sit there, oh, he made me do it. Curse you. Damn you. Guaranteed it was in your mind first. Guaranteed you thought about it first. The minute you think about it, what do you do with that thought? What do you do with that thought? Do you, do you think upon it? Listen, especially for guys, I know it's a real, the, your mind is a real struggle. But you've got to get a grip on it. You've got to allow God to transform your mind. Girls, you've got to allow God to transform your mind that you start to see yourself as somebody who's beautiful, that you start to see yourself as somebody who was, who was made in the image of God so that you don't look for acceptance and other stuff. Why do girls look for acceptance in relationships and some guys? Because they don't believe the way God looks at them. They don't believe what God says about them, that you're made in his image, that you're made in his image. You've got to get a handle on your thought life. Do you know what the thing is? A thought pops into your mind. If you allow it to stay in your mind, if you allow it to think on it, you're increasing the chances of you doing that very thought. The longer it stays in your mind, 
the greater the chance of you doing that very thing. I'll just give you a quick demonstration. There's five stages in this demonstration. There's, the first thing is, is, is your vision. This is what your vision for. Say you've got a goal, all right? And uh, you want to be financially blessed in 10 years. That's your goal. The second stage is, is your thoughts. The third stage is the words you speak. The fourth stage is your actions. And the last stage is whether or not you reach the goal. So you've got you to plan it for your life to start to have, you know, to be financially blessed in 10 years because God calls us to be blessed so that we can be a blessing, praise God. And so that's your plan for your life. But so you start to walk out that plan and it starts going all right for the first few months or the first week or, you know, maybe six months, maybe two weeks. And then you start to look at your bank balance. Oh, no, I'm sure I earned more than that. I've only got $10. You start to look at the mortgage repayments or your rent. Oh, man, my landlord's just increased and the interest rates have just gone up. You start to look at the petrol prices. Oh, I'm doomed. I can't pay gas in my car anymore. You start to look at this stuff and now in your mind you're starting to think about how, man, oh, man, what a struggle this is. I don't have any money to do the things that I want to do. Oh, so you start... You start believing the fact that, man, my wage hasn't gone up. Oh, no. I don't have any money to, oh, man, I, I wanted to take this guy out for tea. I wanted to give my tithe this week, but I don't have any money. And you think, and, you, and it's really weighing you down. And there are people here, you're really weighed down, even tonight, by finances, by money, because you look at the bank balance. And so then the, ne- the third stage is what you talk. So you're hanging around with your mates, and they're like, how are you going? Oh, yeah, I'm going all right, but... Man, I could do with the pay rise. Man, you should see my you should see my finances. It's an absolute mess. My bank balance is like way down. And I'm talking way down. It's just I don't have any money. I can't hardly buy groceries. Man, I can't do the things I want to do. It's just not fair. And so then your actions are when you come to church and the person stands up there to give you a tithe message and you're like. Great message, brother, but oh, if only you knew what my bank balance was like. Whew, so you don't give your tithe that week. Maybe next week, your bank balance is no different. Maybe the week after, you go weeks and weeks and months without, without giving. God tells you that I want you to bless this person. I want you to give them $10. Great idea, God. You provide me with 10 bucks, they'll do it, man. God says, no, you do it, and then I'll provide you the money. Oh, but, but. I don't have it. This is like my last $10. Do it. Sorry, God, I can't. Not this week. I'll do it next week. Next week comes. And the week after, then you forget about it. And then, and then the last thing, 10 years have gone by, and you're no different. Your finances are in no better place than what it was 10 years prior. You know what? You could change. You could try and change the way you talk about it. But eventually, you'll start to talk what your mind's thinking. You know, to reach that goal, you've got to change the way you think. You see your bank balance. Oh, man, it's so low. You hear the newspaper. Oh, oh man, the mortgage has gone up. The groceries, the petrol has gone up. 
But God, I thank you. Your word says that you are my provider. God, I thank you. You start to get into the word of God. You start to read about how God is your provider, how God is your source. And now you start thinking about it. How God, you are my provider. You are my provider every day. God, you are my provider. And then you start to bless people. You pay your tithe anyway. And you start to see an abundance of blessing in your life. Trust me, it works. I've seen it upon my own life. You've got to change the way we think. You've got to change your mind. Start to get control. And you know how you do it? You meditate on the Word of God. You start to meditate on the Word of God. If you struggle with thoughts in your life, unclean thoughts, thoughts of depression, thoughts of fear, meditate on the Word of God. Meditate on the Word of God day and night. Day and night. Get a scripture. Write it down. Stick it on your mirror while you're doing your hair for half hour. And start to, start to say it over and over and over again. And so then as you're at your job, you're saying the scripture over and over and over again. And now you're starting to get it in you and you start to believe in what the word of God says. Because you know what, friends, is power in the word of God. It's not just an ordinary book. It's a powerful book that will totally radically change your life. And the third thing is discipline. Another hard word. And when I thought about this, because God spoke to me, me about being disciplined as well about a month ago. Like, God, the first thing I think about discipline is being sent to my room and my mum coming in with the wooden, I used to call it the whale of the towel because it's shaped as a whale. Whoop-hoo! Oh, that hurt! And tears coming down until eventually one day she broke it on my brother, praise God. I tell you. God must have been looking out for me at that stage. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says this, I disciplined my body like an athlete. This is in the New Living Translation. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I discipline my body. You've got to discipline your body. You've got to discipline your life. Otherwise... You position yourself for a fall. Look at that. Good save. Otherwise, you position yourself for a fall. You know, you've got to start to discipline what you watch, what you look at. You've got to start to discipline what you listen to. You've got to start to discipline who you hang hang around with. You've got to start to discipline where you spend your money. You've got to start to discipline your word and your prayer life. You know, don't just, don't just think, oh, it'll happen. I'll, I'll, when I get a spare half hour, I'll do it. You know what, friends, you'll never do it because you'll never have a spare half hour. You've got to start to get disciplined about having specific time where you will pray, specific time where you will read the Word of God, and nothing will come in the way of that time that you've set aside. Discipline. You've got to start to discipline what you look at because you know what? What you look at, it affects the way you think. What you listen to, it affects the way you think. You know, the Columbine shooting? You want to let us hear the music that they listen to. All this Marilyn Manson stuff that told them, go out and kill your friends. You know what? I believe there's a huge influence to why they did what they did. And when it shot up a high school, you've got to be disciplined about what you listen to. Disciplined, you young guys, about what music you listen to. Disciplined about it. Disciplined about what, what you watch on TV. Disciplined about who you hang around with. Everyone needs to be so disciplined in this. Discipline can be painful. But you know what? It will just totally 
totally transform your life. Because you see, friends, we've got to get the stuff out of us that hinders us. We've got to get the junk out of the trunk. We've got to get it out of there. And we've got to put good stuff into us. But you know what? It doesn't just happen. An athlete, if you want to be the world's best rugby player, if you want to be the world's best musician, if you want to be the best at, at, at your job that you do, you can't expect just to turn up without discipline in your life to train yourself. Because you'll turn up and you'll be made a fool of yourself. You'll, be, you'll turn up and you will look foolish. Because you haven't done the hard work. You haven't done the hard work. You know, I've set clear disciplines around my life. You know, God, I won't, I won't ever, even one of my leaders who are girls, I won't ever go around with, if, if there's not another guy with me. I won't put myself in that position. Not that I think I'm going to do anything, but just because there's no way, I just don't even want to go there. Disciplined. 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 You've got to be disciplined about what you do. Disciplined about what you think. Disciplined about what you say. There's power in your words. There's power in your words. You see, the problem with most Christians is we start to get complacent. We start to think, oh, it won't matter if I watch this program. It won't matter if I listen to this music. It won't matter if I hang around with these people who are so, who they, they just don't like God at all. It doesn't matter if I start to speak a little bit of rubbish every now and then. It won't matter. A little bit won't matter. You know, Everything starts with a little bit and gradually gets bigger. You start a ball at the top of a hill with a snow, little snowball. By the time it gets down to the bottom, it's an avalanche. Little things in your life end up being big things. Little things destroy your life. You cannot get complacent. You know, this is what Proverbs 14 says. The wise, sorry, the wisdom of the prudent is, the, is, is to understand his way. I looked up what the word prudent means. It means cautious, sensible, discreet. The wisdom of those who are cautious. The wisdom of those who make sensible decisions. The wisdom of those who, hang on, hang, hey, why don't we do this? Oh, God, what do you reckon, God? You're not quick to jump in. You're not quick just to go and jump in with the crowd because you're disciplined. But the folly of fools is deceit. Folly means foolishness, foolish actions or ideas. And some of us have done some pretty foolish things. And, we, and, and we, we look at what we've done and we regret it. You know what? If you don't place discipline around your life, you'll keep doing. Because having discipline is having wisdom. The wise place discipline, discipline around their life. The wise place clear boundaries around their life so that they can start to trans, so their life can start to be transformed into what God has. So that their life can start to be transformed into walking the way that God has designed and the way that God has purposed for you to walk. As opposed to, oh, it's a great idea, let's do that. Yeah. And you go and do it and you're like, oh no. You're then you're repenting before, before God. God, I'm so sorry. Foolish action. Remember what Pastor Steve said? Foolish. Sorry, God. I won't do it again. The next day, you still haven't put disciplines around your life. Ah, oh, it's a great idea. Let's go and do it. Another foolish action. Got to start to get discipline. 
So just to recap those three things, got to start to sacrifice, have sacrifice in your life. It's not all about you. It's not all about you. It's about him. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about blessing others. Those who will ask shall be first. What you sow, you reap. You've got to start to transform your mind. Thinking the way God wants you to think. Thinking about thoughts that are of him. Meditating on the word of God. And discipline. You've got to start to have discipline around your life. You know, if you don't know how to place discipline around your life, go and see a leader. Go and see someone who is who is an authority over your life and say, hey, look, this is my life, man, and it's just in a total, utter mess. I want you to help me to place some clear boundaries around my life. And then stay accountable. Everyone needs to be accountable to someone. Everybody needs to be accountable to someone. Now I'm just going to finish with this story about, it's a true story about a girl in, in, in our kids' church. Her name's Raquel, and, uh, and she's only about 10 years old. And, and this will challenge you. It challenged me when I heard it about how someone so young transformed into responding the way God responds. Where most of us, if we had this happen to us, we would respond like little babies and get offended and get upset and want justice, want revenge. 